breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. On a 1.7 FM, 7.10 Keel, Mike and McCarty. This song, by the way, was the same song. <laughs> on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, gubernatorial candidate Sean Wilson joining us. Sean, good morning, sir. Good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing? Well, this is a surprise. <laughs> Friday, we caught you in Atlanta in the airport, I guess, job hunting, but not, not really job hunting. You were just, uh, you had a business meeting I to was- attend? I was finishing strong. I started off uh, in this organization being a national leader, and we had our national meeting in Washington, D.C., and I was headed home from doing that. It was a wonderful uh, way to end the career of uh, being secretary for the Department of Transportation and Development. And you turned on Sean Wilson for Louisiana on Facebook, Twitter, all that this morning. Is that accurate? You, You got it. So I actually had one day of retirement. Uh, it was the shortest-lived retirement, and I uh, look forward to spending the next several months with my wife and, and other supporters traveling across the Louisiana uh, highways and byways, uh, campaigning to be the next governor. Okay, you'll be the, the first prominent Democrat in the race. Um, a lot of folks are saying you don't have statewide name recognition. Is that your primary goal now? Get out there, meet people, uh, kiss babies, and all that. Well, look, anytime you're in a campaign, you have to be known. But I think my record speaks for itself. Um, I think you look at the accomplishments of what we've been able to achieve over the last seven years, but really over a 25-year career, having worked for four governors. I worked for Governor Foster, Governor Blanco, Governor Jindal, and now Governor Edwards at the highest level of government. And uh, we've made some tremendous strides. And I think people are okay with name recognition, but they want leadership. They want service. They want impact. And that's what we've been able to provide. And that's what we'll do. And part of that process is traveling the state, uh, meeting people, talking to them uh, for issues and issues beyond just transportation. And so uh, giving people an opportunity to get to know who I am and the uh, type of governor uh, I would be. And it's going to be very similar to the type of secretary that I've been. We're talking with Sean Wilson, governor for uh, candidate for governor for the state of Louisiana. I like that. I like that Freudian flip. <laughs> <by the way. laughs> uh, Sean, you you mentioned some of the issues. What are what are some of the first things that uh, you would focus on day one? Were you to take control of the state of Louisiana? Well, look, I, I've got uh, as a as a husband, father, and, and grandfather of two kids. I know the future that. I want for them and their future that they're going to experience is largely going to be uh, around who's going to be the next leader. And I think when you look at all of the challenges that we've got across the state, and we will always have our share of challenges, whether it's dealing with education, whether it's dealing with the environment, whether it's dealing with the financial stability of the state and growing the economy and making things work for the citizens of Louisiana, um, I think the common factor is going to be how you deliver those services and how do you work with people. And a big part of what I've done for the last 25 years is bridge the divide, recognizing that the governor does not unilaterally make decisions, uh, but he does administer or she does administer state government. 
And I would do that in a way that actually brings people together and not necessarily leave large segments of our society out. Things like protecting the most vulnerable, things like ensuring that we have health care, and, of course, that we continue this unprecedented investment in infrastructure. So you have issues all across the state of Louisiana that are varied that we will need to address. And the leadership that I bring, I think, is the best thing that we can do because I don't have all the answers. But I have the best approach, and I have the best experience to be able to do that. Okay, Sean, I know you have your big boy britches on. You have told us over and over again we need to increase our gas tax. It's been too many years. How do you feel about that today as a candidate for governor? Do you propose an increase in our gas tax or any other tax increases? So what I will tell you, Aaron, in in 17, I did advocate for the gas tax because we had 30-plus years of disinvestment, and people wondered why the roads were bad. The legislature and the governor signed a bill for the vehicle sales tax, and I told you then that we need to take those dollars and live within our means and make the best case of it. So you're not going to see me on a campaign trail advocating for a gas tax. Will I advocate for further investments in infrastructure? Absolutely, because I know the $150 million that the legislature gave us two years ago that actually starts coming to us next year and the 150 after that, that's important. But that's not enough. And so whether it's appropriating state dollars that we have today, general fund dollars, whether it's appropriating other one-time money to infrastructure, those are the types of investments. So I did talk about that in 17. We were successful at finding new investment. And I told you then that I was not going to be advocating for new gas taxes. And with regards to other taxes, I think it's important to understand what is it that they're paying for. If people are up in arms, because we have babies dying from fentanyl overdoses and we don't do anything about it, shame on us. If we're having crime issues across this state and we don't have resources to fight crime, shame on us. And so before we start talking about raising taxes and cutting taxes, let's talk about what those taxes are going to do for us and if what they're doing offers value. And so that's my perspective. Do do away with the income tax? There's a push now to do away with the Louisiana income tax. How does candidate Sean Wilson feel? There's one candidate that, that is advocating that. I don't think that is a solution because with that candidate, what you're not going to hear is what's not going to get done when you do away with it. We've had too many build-it-they-will-come type of tax policies, and that is not going to bid well for us because when it doesn't come, we're left holding a bag of needs that our citizens have, and we can't meet those needs when you've given away all of the resources that they demand that we provide resources for. So I don't think giving away uh, and doing away with income tax because no one is going to give you a really solid proposal of how you're going to replenish those dollars. You're not going to want to take tax dollars from property taxes that locals get. You're not going to want to increase sales taxes. So how are you going to pay for those things that you're going to be doing away with on income tax, and how do you know that it's going to work? Go back and look at what happened with the Stelly plan. When you repeal that, there was a big sucking sound in our budget. Mm-hmm. Things that matter. Speaking of the like budget, Sean, like Dr. Wilson, I'm sorry. Speaking of the budget, when John Bell Edwards took over, our state budget was $29 billion. We're now topping the $45 billion mark at a time when people are leaving our state. I just can't wrap my brain around the size of government keeps getting bigger even though people are leaving. How do we address that? I mean, do you do you look at ways to shrink government? We have fewer residents to serve. Well, I can look at the last seven years of how I've led the department, where we have not grown our organization, but we've increased revenue. Discretionary funding that we've been able to bring in, surplus money that we've been able to bring in, 
refinancing of dollars that we've been able to bring in, and that has worked for us to be able to deliver more value. And look, there's a lot of work to be done here in the state of Louisiana, and when you look at some of the resources that we get, people talk about the budget, but they don't ever get into the details of where the money's coming from, what's it doing, and what limitations I have with it. And so it's not as easy as just saying the budget is growing, the budget is growing. Look at what we've done look at the disaster response that we've had, and look at the expenditures and the responsibilities of government before you say that this budget is bloated, because this budget that is voted on by the entire legislature, not just the governor, the entire legislature votes on the budget to appropriate dollars to spend here in the state of Louisiana. And that appropriation is what makes up our budget. So you can't put your hand in a cookie jar and say you didn't do it when you're a part of the process to establish the budget. And so have an adult conversation about how you allocate dollars, how you spend dollars. And if you don't want to do it, be man or woman enough to say, I'm not paying for your health care. I'm not paying for your education. I'm not paying for your roads. Because that is the alternative, and I think that is what is unacceptable. Now, uh, you talked about the state budget. What about, you know, the reports that uh, Louisiana, one of the highest taxed state in the union, and yet, you know, they're – we're we're ranked low in education. We're ranked low in road quality. There's seemingly nothing to show for the highest taxes in the country. Uh, how would you address again, that? And what do you again, have to say to that? Sure, I will tell you. Half of our sales tax is locally driven, and it's locally obligated, and it's locally spent. And so you're assuming that that is 100 percent paying for those expenditures, and they aren't. And so that is a challenge I think that you have to look at. And so. I think you, when you look at the sales tax and you do an apples-to-apples comparison, we're not as extreme as people say we are. Dr. Wilson, another issue that's a hot-button issue in Louisiana on abortion, are you pro-choice? I, My wife and I have made a very conscious decision in our lives that we are uh, pro-life with exception, uh, and that's the life of the mother, rape and incest, as a father of uh, a daughter, and as the father of grandfather of a young lady, uh, I would not want them to have to live with that burden. Uh, they have a right to make the right decisions uh, for themselves, but for me and the things that I believe in, uh, and I think the way I would govern would be supporting a pro-life with exception. And again, this is not a unilateral decision that the governor alone makes. Uh, this is a collaborative decision on behalf of the state of Louisiana. And for me... I am personally pro-life with exception. So you're okay with the law as it exists in Louisiana now, where essentially abortions are illegal? Well, but I don't think a woman has a right to choose whether or not she should carry a baby that she's been impregnated with when she was raped, or if a baby is going to have tremendous uh, medical challenges without the resources to be able to healthily and wealthily support that, that, that infant. And so I think we need to have some exception for conditions where the life of the mother is threatened and where the mother uh, has either been raped or a case of incest. That's a large burden to put on someone. And I just don't think that our laws today, the way the bill has passed and was signed, uh, provides for those exceptions. And I, I would love to see the legislature uh, take that step. And I think that's where the vast majority of our citizens would be.
phone just died. Uh-oh. My screen died. Oh no, that's a problem. It's a problem. Yeah. <sighs> I was getting coffee and it dropped. I dropped it. It was kind of under my arm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and it hit flat, just flat. Uh, but you don't have a special no cover on it? Anything. Yeah, I've got a military grade. Well, A, cover. get your money back for that. Uh, They're supposed to be, you know. I do have the Apple Care protections. So. Okay. But you're gonna gosh, have to go gosh, in and get gosh. it all fixed. Where do you do that though? Do you do it at the AT and T store, or yeah, do you, you have go, to send it to Apple, or what? go to the store and they'll direct you? I, I think, think. You're, I think you're supposed to boil it in rice. Is that right? <laughs> I don't you, think you okay. boil it in you rice. Boil it in no. rice. Is, Is that, that how okay? you fix a phone? No, no, no. no. <laughs> a never boil your phone in rice. No, no. no. Okay, I heard you that can, wrong. I guess. If you get a message on the Shreveport Security Systems message board. Phone because Ruben said to. If it gets wet, you can put it in dry rice, uh, and that'll and suck the moisture out of it. Moisture, yeah, I, yeah. Never had to try that though. I always got a pretty good case on mine, and I'm, well, I've got a great case on mine, but it hit flat. Uh, it, it, it just, it, I mean, literally didn't bounce or anything. Just, I don't even want to imagine if mine went dead, and we're in the middle of the show, and people are arriving to be guests. And, I know. Or they're texting me saying I'm here. Your or, phone isn't allowed. Allowed to die. I, that would be a, that would be a problem. It 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 it, gla- it just faintly glows it for a brief moment. You know when you raise it, oh. and then it just goes away. It's like oh, it's like crap. leave me alone. It needs crap. a nap. Yeah, that's not good. We got a big guest list today. A lot oh of folks my coming gosh. on. Gosh, run now, down we spoke that with Richard Nelson yesterday. He's uh, also a candidate. He's a Republican candidate for governor. We'll play that at six forty. Jim Donilon, the commissioner of insurance for the state of Louisiana, uh, coming in studio at seven ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cedric Glover uh, talking about the Jody Wagner. I'm really excited about this. Mm-hmm. The uh, the federal building moving from the old location fairfield and jordan the state building yeah yeah the state building mm-hmm. sorry i said federal it's the state building but yeah. it's moving to the old federal building exactly yeah that's where my confusion lies you're allowed easy to confuse me <laughs> uh jeff landry the uh, louisiana attorney general also gubernatorial candidate joining us at eight ten. another gubernatorial candidate Sharon, I don't even like that word, gubernatorial. That's a rough rough word, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Sharon Hewitt joining us at 840 this morning. Hmm. And Derek Carr, the new New Orleans Saints quarterback. Not joining us, but uh, that's pretty exciting news. Pretty good. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, busy morning. Busy, busy. Busy, busy morning. Stay close. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. We spoke with Richard Nelson, Republican candidate for governor for the state of Louisiana, yesterday. Hear what he has to say next on Cat. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline with us this morning. Gubernatorial candidate for uh, Louisiana governorship, Richard Nelson, Republican candidate. Richard, good morning, sir. Good morning. Former DOTD secretary announced his candidacy for governorship. Uh, Does this change um, your 
your uh, campaign in any way, and do you see him as a formidable opponent? You know, my campaign has been basically against the status quo. Uh, obviously, I'm 36. I'm kind of a, a younger generation than Sean Wilson and all the rest of the people in the race, so him jumping in really doesn't change anything for me. I mean, really, I'm trying to fight to make Louisiana better, and especially better for the next 40 years, not the next four years. Uh, so I kind of have a different perspective, I think, than the other candidates, and he's really kind of in the same group. I mean, he may be a Democrat. I, that matters to some extent, maybe, on some of his policy issues. But I think in the devotion to getting rid of the status quo in Louisiana, uh, I think that that's the same thing I'm fighting for. I mean, I say all the time, Louisiana was just average. We'd all live four years longer and get a 33% raise. And you're not going to get there without some big changes. Is he a tax and spend Democrat, really? You know, I don't think anybody really knows. I mean, I guess he'll maybe he has some policy positions out now. I mean, he's been a, a you know, a, a, a bureaucrat for 25 years. I mean, I think that's a, that's a tough position to come into and say, hey, we're going to change how things are done. Does he have the, the problem of fundraising and getting in a political race, a big statewide race? Is he facing an uphill battle with regard to that? I mean, I think in, in a state like Louisiana, I think it's difficult for a, for a Democrat to get elected in statewide office. I think that's why we really don't have any besides John Bell. And John Bell has obviously a, a kind of, um, you know, unicorn background and history. And, you know, his opponents were in a position where he could get elected. And I, I don't know that that's going to be something that gets replicated this year. I don't, I don't know if Sean Wilson can kind of put that magic in a bottle to kind of have everything go right. But... You know, I welcome to the race. I, I, I hope it, the race is about ideas and how to move the state forward, and that's what I'm focused on. We're talking with Richard Nelson, a candidate for governor. Richard, let's talk a little bit about Richard Nelson. You've got a, a proposal now in front of uh, the legislature that says if you don't pass basic fundamentals, you won't move, progress into the fourth grade. Is that correct? Am I, am I getting that right? Yeah, so basically if you can't, if you can't read above a minimum level, then you'd get held back and given extra training and tutoring and a highly effective teacher and have some of these interventions to actually get you to the level you need to be to read before you get passed on. And I, I think most people feel like this is a common sense idea. I mean, right? that's you the know, way it was when, when we were in school. If you didn't pass your tests, you didn't move into the second grade or fifth grade or whatever it was. Yeah, I think it's a, you're, you're getting at the, the, you know, the crux of the issue is this kind of idea of social promotion, right? Like, we don't want to hold anybody back. We want to pass everybody forward. Um, and I think when you look at states that have been very successful in moving, uh, in improving their education system, uh, Mississippi is right next door to us. This is really a bill that was kind of copied off of them. So in 2013, they passed this same measure. And as a result, they've gone from 49th of the country in fourth grade reading to 21st. And so, and so we were right above them at 48 back in 2013 when they passed the bill. Now we're at 41st. And uh, they've just been, you know, completely lapped us. They're they're out of sight, and it's really a, a big driver of it is this kind of proceed or this kind of policy. So, I brought it last year uh, and died in the Senate actually in the state Senate and by two votes. And so I'm bringing it again this year, and hopefully we can get it across the across the line and really make a difference for the kids in Louisiana. D does this impact? I mean, I know there are some exceptions. You know, can you can you kind of outline that because there may be some educators listening or they, they will listen that are like, does every kid have to meet certain requirements? Yeah, so there's a few exceptions in the in the bill. They're pretty narrow, but um, so for, for example, um, kids with an IEP, they have some kind of disability or um, issue, so they will have an exception. 
Um, if your kid is not, if English is not their first language, then they will also get an exception so they can be promoted onward uh, because it's probably not their reading ability that's holding them back in that situation, right? Uh, and then also if, if the kids have been held back uh, twice before if, between from kindergarten to third grade, then they'll be able to be promoted too, so you won't hold them back for years and years. Um, it's just going to be that to at least two times they could be held back for this purpose. So there are a few exceptions in there, but they're relatively narrow. And when you look at states that have done been really successful, like Mississippi, you have to keep those narrow, or what happens is everybody just gets shoveled through, right? Like you can have the best policy and then say, hey, everybody's an exception, and they all get passed through, so it really doesn't mean anything. And that's kind of the goal in, in making it broad but um, targeted to actually improve students' learning. And Now, does this only affect third graders going into the fourth grade, or is this all students? It's only – so it, it acts as kind of a gate, right? So really you start to learn – you start to learn to read in kindergarten or even before kindergarten. And so really it puts everybody in the process of, hey, look, there's this point in third grade where you're going to have to be tested or you're going to be evaluated, and if you can't, you know, if you can't read to the minimum level, then you're going to be held back. So really every, every grade before that, they're all working toward that point that at the end of third grade you're going to need, uh, you're going to, need to meet that minimum level. But it's not just the third-grade teacher's responsibility. It's everyone before that to get them to that point where in third grade they will pass. And we passed a bill list, um, this last year where they're basically going to do a, an evaluation uh, three times a year on the student's reading ability up till third grade. And so you're going to have a clear picture this whole time of where your kid is and where are they going to be and what do they need to do in order to meet that minimum requirement. So it's not just going to sneak up on anybody because you're going to have years basically of these you know, reading and literacy assessments to make sure that they're going on the pace where they need to. And then the schools will have the opportunity to, you know, do those interventions before they ever get held back. Does Superintendent K. Brumley support the plan? Have you talked to him about it? Uh, I think so. They, um, Bessie tried to do something similar after the bill failed in the Senate. They tried to make, you know, some kind of uh, like a summer school option for kids who can't read and uh, sufficiently. And so he's, he's kind of done some things like that to try and, I think, maybe band-aid the problem before um, before I think you have to ask him specifically if he if he publicly uh, supports it, but I, I think that the concept of it is definitely something that Bessie has, has expressed support on in the past, and those ideas have come before them too. So I think that it's um, you know when you're really looking at things that really improve outcomes, like I said, Mississippi has done really well. Florida did it in 2003; they've done really well, and these are states that have similar challenges to us, you know, as far as poverty and education and stuff like that. So. I think that it's something that really, as an education system, Louisiana can get behind. Your name came up with uh, Dr. Sean Wilson just a few moments ago when he spoke with us. Well, you're, you're not quite your name. He said another candidate. Another candidate is proposing doing away with the income tax, and they, uh-huh. they need to come up with a way of uh, replacing that money before we can just have a vacuum sucking that money away. How do you answer that? Uh, I would tell... Dr. Wilson, that he should read the, you know, 60-page bill I filed in 2021 that outlined all the ways to make up the revenue. And then also, I'm going to file it again this year, a version, an updated version of that. Uh, We've had hundreds of hours of committee, 100 hours of committee meetings, studying, getting rid of the income tax. Um, All that stuff is public record. So we've talked about those things pretty extensively. I mean, basically, you have to look at states that don't have an income tax, like Texas, Florida, Tennessee, all of them have some different mix, basically, of using property taxes and sales taxes to make up that difference. And that's what we have to do here is, you know, the, the best mix that we can do um, for Louisiana. What it, like I said, all states do this every day. Like Texas does this every day. It's not rocket science. 
And so it's going to be some mixture of property and sales taxes that makes up that loss. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. Uh, big news out of New Orleans: new quarterback, Derek Carr. Okay, embrace <laughs> hundred and fifty million. Come on, it's got It's better than what we have. Yeah, you got Come a on. point. Yeah, you. I mean, you got a point. I mean, the Red Rocket. Bless his heart. He, he, he just. Mm, I know. And Jameis Winston's not the answer. No, he's not the answer. I get that. I just... And I heard speculation as they're releasing Winston, which mm, okay. is good. Yeah, it's okay. I'm okay with that. Um, Ever since that time, he came off the sidelines when he was with Tampa Bay and started poking, I don't even remember who it was, one of our receivers in the back. Yeah. You know, it, it's like, well, come on, you goofy... Right. No, you don't do that. <laughs> but uh, but 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 Derek Carr. Well, I see the. Uh, who, why can't we get else? Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> no, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Let's get Joe Burrow down in the Big Easy. Uh, Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need a forty-five-year-old. Uh, yeah, I exactly. The, I know he's the oh. greatest of all time. I know. I know. Is he available? And, yeah. You know. He's, Mm. I think he, he hung him up, didn't he? Did he? Is it official? I still? think he's officially hung him up. Yeah, he's going to be a TV guy now. I think I'm I'm not sure, but he's producing movies. He produced the what is it? Eighty for Brady, and you know, I mean, he's going to be doing whatever he wants. She goes, I I, I want to go see that. I said, well, it was cute. You it and was, the girls can go. It was predictable, cute, but you know, whatever. You know, I I enjoyed it. I'm I'm you know, would I pay that? What are the what are movie tickets now? If you go at night, twenty dollars. No, apparently they're two hundred dollars. Oh, are they? A okay. Piece. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to go at night and pay twenty bucks to see a movie. That's not going to happen. I'll go during the matinee and where I'm. I'm ten bucks or eleven bucks. But oh man, I I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Just Derek Carr. <laughs> hey, he's the all. He's the Raiders' all-time passing leader, passing yards, touchdowns, uh, percentage. I mean, the, in, in the, the Raiders, Raiders, like you just said. Well, yeah. they had Stabler, and he was good back in yeah, the day. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't Drew Brees, but nobody is. I need to embrace it. I know Saints fans are like, embrace Derek Carr, no, look, welcome him in. I was the same way with with Jameis Winston. Yes. Embrace him. He's in the no. I can't. I can't. I do can't it. do it. Not yet. So, I I I I don't have a problem with Derek Carr. I'm mm -hmm. gonna. I am gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. Yes. I'm excited about it. We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. I know. I know what happens coming up just after the news. We've got Insurance Commissioner Jim Donnellan going to join us in studio. Then later next hour, Cedric Glover, State Rep, uh, talking about the state building. All the employees are moving downtown. New life into the Jody Wagner Building. I that's. that's that's awesome news. Huge for downtown. Yes, mm -hmm. that is great for downtown. Also, Jeff Landry, the Louisiana Attorney General, be joining us at 810. And then uh, Sharon Hewitt, also running for governor. Both of those are running for governor on the Republican side. That 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 field is filling up. Oh, yeah. Waggis back announced that he's now running. Oh, uh, he's supposed to announce Thursday. We'll see.
Oh. I'll shoot him a text. Well, then I need to slow down. Yeah, I know. Slow the roll. The, we'll the, see. The, 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 the word is out. Yeah, exactly. Unlike Sean Wilson, who wouldn't give us a scoop Friday. I know. We had to wait till Monday. <laughs> like oh, the normal people. It's all right. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM. Hey, it's foggy out. Be careful. Mm-hmm. 710 Keel. Your. One hundred one seven FM. Aaron's threatening our insurance commission. Did I just say it out loud? She just said, "I promise I won't punch you." I think there's laws against that, Aaron. There, there you. might be, yeah. And, and I didn't. I, I didn't see nothing. Uh, Mike and McCarty, one hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keo, welcoming uh, Louisiana Insurance Commissioner Jim Donlin in studio. Good morning. Thank you for coming in. Glad to be with you. We uh, we've got to ask first of all. Um, we understand that you've suspended your campaigning. Is that true? Or I you, did. Are you running? Just before um, the holidays, actually. Okay. And, and I had a fundraiser um, at Jubin's and Restaurant there in, in Baton Rouge. It was well attended and well participated by my supporters. Um, and since then, I just haven't had time. And I did suspend, if you will, my political activity because number one i was trying to get the special session called and working hard on that did get it called worked hard on that and now implementing that which we were successful in getting almost unanimous support for during that special session which is vital to the rebuild of our property insurance market frankly very similar to what happened after Katrina and Rita right. 15 years ago. So you are planning on being on the ballot this I fall? I am planning on it. I'll have more to say about that shortly. Okay. Okay, but at this, t- as we sit here today, is your campaign still suspended? Suspended, yes, in that I, I haven't done anything to suspend. Okay. I just haven't <laughs> scheduled anything. Are you running for governor? Uh, no. Okay, good. No. Just got to ask he's everybody the only, that He's now. the only just one left, in the room not running for governor. <laughs> just left the TV station watching Congressman... Uh, Fleming uh, running for treasurer. Yes, he is. He's so. going to be with us tomorrow. Um, the special session um, was to solve our in- homeowners insurance crisis. All property crisis. Oh, yes. Commercial as well. So is it fixed? No, not yet. But the process, the system is in place to fix it. And we know that because we did it before, after Katrina. And we created an incentive program. I think my might have even been named the same thing, Louisiana Insurance Incentive Program. The legislation, which was passed a year ago, unanimously, I do believe, but not funded, was in place almost identical to what was passed 15 years ago after Katrina and Rita. And the reg to implement it, the rules of the, of the, pro, of the program, are in place now as well. All that's left is we sent an invitation to all property insurers three weeks ago, and they have one more week till the 30th day from when we sent that invitation out to submit their applications. We have two in-house already asking for a combination of $15 million. And the rules of the program are similar to 15 years ago. If you ask for $15 million, 
you have to match the 15 million that you're asking for with your own money, additional money to your res capital and reserves of your company. The state's but, giving insurance companies uh, money that's, to come here. That's exactly right. They're in the profit for profit business, correct? They are. Just like all those other companies we give money to to come here and build auto plants, although we don't do a very good job of attracting mm -hmm. auto plants, but that's for another person's uh, uh, job okay and and uh, and we did this 15 years ago it worked to the tune of within the first year with five companies having attracted having uh, access 29 million dollars from that program they had taken 40,000 policies out of citizens onto their books of business which benefits all of us everyone in the state because as you recall after Katrina, the dysfunction, corruption at Citizens had left out the the policyholders of of the state. Every policyholder first subject to a $250 million assessment on every property insurance policy in the state to get cash in to start paying their claims. And then the first month I was in office in February after the year Katrina and Rita hit, I had to go to Wall Street and sell a billion-dollar bond issue, second largest one in the history of the state. And for three years, we were unable to generate an audited financial statement. For citizens mm. because of the mess we in, we inherited when we took office the CEO was locked up put in jail for his corruption and we found desk drawers full of applications with checks stapled to them that had not been deposited mm. so how they did and I have to give credit to then governor Blanco because while I spent a week in 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 boardroom in a boardroom in Wash in uh, New York, selling that bond issue, she was at each of those meetings on a speakerphone. We didn't have Zoom back then, yeah. but she was joined by conference call with each of those meetings, cajoling, promising, and and succeeding in getting a billion dollars that we're still paying for. Every mm. year we're assessed the next year's amortization payment for those bonds. We have three years left to go on that. Oh boy. So, it, the insurance crisis. Yes. How do we keep? How do we get in that position? And how do we keep from this happening again? Well, two things. Number one, the major cause of the crisis today in Louisiana is Florida, and we inherited that crisis, that part of our crisis from Florida. The other part how, of it. Explain how. All that right. Nine companies failed. And they're just an example of the overall crisis in the market. Okay. Five of those were domiciled in Florida and headquartered in Florida. The Florida system was so broken, lit litigation through the roof, that companies could not make a profit in Florida. So many of the small regional companies that grew up in Florida after Andrew started coming to Louisiana. And it really benefited us because as the major national companies exited coastal exposure in all coastal states after Katrina, we had these small companies come to fill that void. And you say, how can they do what State Farm and Allstate can't do? By reinsuring themselves up to their chins, the international reinsurance market, which is the only way 
we can spread our coastal exposure. There's not enough up here in Shreveport to effectively spread it. It has to be spread through reinsurance around the world. We did that. And for the five years before Laura hit Lake Charles in 2020, mm -hmm. homeowners' rates in our state went up 1% per year for five years in a row because of that competition. I myself, for 10 years, was insured by Southern Fidelity, a now-failed Tallahassee-based Florida insurance company that came to Louisiana, actually took grant money, one of the five companies, the only one that failed of the five companies that came 15 years ago to participate in the incentive program. Ten years ago, I moved my policy from a major national carrier to Southern Fidelity, and for ten years, my, well, my starting premium went from 1000 a month on my home that I built in 1975, 1000 a month down to Four hundred a month. But Commissioner Donlin, let me, let me ask you this: You know, in, in here here in Shreveport, Bossier, we we all all will say, you know, the the insurance crisis and our homeowners' rates. Uh, why are we so tied to South Louisiana rates, where the hurricanes do have a stronger impact? We rarely see a a hurricane event here that's going to wipe out homes. And you're priced accordingly. Your prices are much cheaper than they are in South Louisiana. Actuarially, my homeowner's premium in Metairie is 40% what's called cat coverage. Hailstorms, hurricanes, and an occasional, like you have more often, tornado event. Mm -hmm. And tornadoes, though killers, are relatively small in their devastated area. Hail covers the whole parish okay. or city and does a lot of expensive damage. Hurricanes, worse. You did feel the effects somewhat of Laura, but it did turn inland right. once making landfall. Mm -hmm. You felt a lot more from Rita oh. 15 years ago, mm -hmm. and between then and now, 2008, you felt a lot of Ike, which came right after Gustav went through Baton Rouge and Monroe, flooding Alexandria and Monroe with two days of 12-inch rainfall, hundreds of homes, but mm -hmm. that's flood. That's right. not homeowners. It's it's part of our crisis. So. We got to take a break. Yeah. Can you hold oh, yeah. with us for Absolutely. another segment? Absolutely, surely. Talking with Insurance Commissioner Jim Donnellan, Mike and McCarty. One. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty in studio with Louisiana Insurance Commissioner Jim Donnellan this morning. Can we shift gears a little bit and talk about our auto rates in Louisiana Absolutely. too, if you don't mind? We, you know, I have a pretty good driving record, but I still pay what seems to be outrageous rates when I hear people in other states talk about what they pay, and what I used to pay when I was younger. I pay more now than when I was like, you know. Of course, a, young, a, a young, high risk. Yeah, when I was a high risk, and yeah. are we going to see a, a, a handle on that anytime soon? Only if we can pass real tort reform, and we haven't been able to. And we have the highest auto rates in America, and it's because of one thing: it's claims to litigation ratio, and we are twice the next most litigious state in mm -hmm. America in the auto insurance market. We, us in Florida, they have, again, a bad broke system called PIP, and, and it's 
property insurance, uh, personal insurance protection, PIP. And it's a form of, of um, no fault that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. and, and they are the only other southern state that's in the top ten of, of most expensive states. So it's the what they say, the billboard lawyers. And television. And tele right, in television. So if the lawyers are writing the legislation and the lawyers are causing the issue how do you solve that well you're not going to this, get them to police themselves no but but the the to to be fair to the billboard lawyers they're not writing the legislation the legislation is written by the staff well, in Baton sure. Rouge but they do have supporters and advocates who amend the legislation to either gut it if it harms their program or enhance it if it will further their program. So what's the solution to that? That that is for the people, the the policyholders who are paying these horrendous prices. Know this: forty-five percent of the drivers in Louisiana drive with minimum limits. That's the working poor. Mm -hmm. They don't have enough assets to justify buying real insurance. They only buy that fifteen, thirty, twenty-five. The law requires them to drive to, to buy in order to be legal on the roads. They're hardworking, um, um, poor, working poor who can't afford. It's much worse for them than it is for us. What's the percentage of those driving uninsured? About 12%, which is right in line with every other state. I, USA Today did a front page story 10 years ago quoting my colleague from Mississippi, Mike Cheney, who's still the commissioner, and Joe Murphy, the then commissioner of Massachusetts, about uninsured drivers. Now, some, one of my predecessors, used to blame them for the high rates. But his chief actuary, who just retired as my chief actuary, said if all 45% who drive with minimum, I mean all 12% who drive uninsured got minimum limits, less than one half of 1% difference in in the cost you're here it's in town them. you're speaking at a local event where are you headed to i am headed to uh regent's tower oh cool Will, willis wellis auditorium they're in wonderful thanks thank for you. coming in appreciate it thank mm -hmm. you good to see you guys good to see you too and i want that seersucker suit next time <laughs> 101.7fm Seven FM, seven ten keel. Mike and McCarty, Aaron. Are you all right? No. What's my, wrong? My phone. Oh yeah. Gosh, gosh, dog. Mm. And you don't realize. Well, maybe you do. Mm -hmm. How much? Oh. My whole schedule. I I can't call my mom right now because I don't know her number. If you need to fix that, if I if I want to call my, I just go mom and touch it. Do you know your wife's number? Yes. Okay. But I, I don't know that I've ever actually dialed my mom's number. It's always just been in my phone, my schedule. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a session today. Can't see my screen. I don't, I don't know when when they're coming in. Oh Lord! I did. You got to get this thing fixed. Dickerous. You just dropped it and the screen went blank. Yeah. Oh boy. I was getting your coffee. <laughs> it's my fault. Okay. And, and Ruben told me to make you get me coffee. Yeah. And there's no crack. 
It'll get fixed today. It's a quick fix. Thomas, yeah. Thomas has already told me. I have a yeah. over at Maccentric. He He'll says, fix it. Get over here. He's I got said, you. Yeah. He's got you. Because I've got the Apple Care. So. Yeah, exactly. Thomas, I'm coming to see you, buddy. Nine oh one. I'll be on the. Yeah. Help. <laughs> Coming up here, just a few moments, we've got Cedric Glover, who's a state rep, talking about the state building moving to the federal building. All mm-hmm. the employees are moving down. I love this idea. It's going to be cool. Jody Wagner building being refurbished, and we're going to have hundreds of new workers in downtown Shreveport. And that's going to bring businesses in. That's oh. going to bring restaurants back downtown. Game that's changer. Going, that's awesome. Very exciting news. We'll find out more next with Mike and McCarty. 101.7 FM. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Uh state rep Cedric Glover joining us. Cedric, good morning. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Eric. Morning. I'm disappointed you didn't come in. I haven't seen you in a while. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Me too, sir. We've got exciting news, uh, especially for downtown. I know Liz Swain is ecstatic. Uh, the state building, all the employees are moving from Fairfield and Jordan to the uh, going-to-be-refurbished Jody Wagner Federal Building. Tell us about uh, how this is uh, progressing. Well, it is moving very quickly. Um that was uh, part of uh, the reason as to why I think it was important to get it done, because it had the ability, uh, because of the mechanism that's being used to make it happen, that being the Office Facilities Corporation, to move on a pretty quick uh, uh, clip. Uh, we've uh, gotten to the point where not only was a decision made by that five-member Office Facilities Corporation board to do the project in April of last year, uh, by August they had moved forward with soliciting uh, professionals uh, for the demolition in the design phase, uh, those folks were selected. Turned out they both ended up being from Freeport. Uh, and now uh, the initial work of the design team is back before the state for review. Uh, and the demolition phase and the abatement phase that's being headed up by Mike Newman and his team uh, is about to get underway as well. You're having a big meeting this afternoon, 530 at the Central Art Station on Common, with a lot of the stakeholders. And, and it's a chance for us to ask questions. Tell us a little bit about who's going to be at that meeting and what you're anticipating. Well, you can have everybody from uh, Billy Wilson, who heads up the Office of State Building. who will also end up with a presentation being made uh, by uh, Mike Newman, uh, who, as I mentioned, leads the abatement and demolition crew since the old garage is coming down. And obviously, all of the surrounding outer structure and all of the asbestos and other materials all the way down to the steel structure and concrete foundation is going to be done away with. Uh, and so Mike will detail exactly how that process is coming along and how it works and what the time frames are. Uh, and then Christopher Coe, uh, the person who's responsible uh, for actually doing the architectural drawing that will be used to construct the new building, uh, will present the status of his work. Uh, and then there's also a gentleman by the name of Scott Kent, who is with uh, the Office of Cultural Recreation and Tourism, who heads up a program called the Percent for the Arts. Uh, back in 1999, when I was in the for the first time, uh, we passed a bill that mandates that for any state uh, capital construction project over $2 million dollars, one percent of the overall state fund utilized must be dedicated uh, towards some sort of uh, artistic enhancement of that particular facility. So you're going to also end up uh, with this building having well over a half million dollars worth of artistic work that will be integrated into the overall project. And so he's going to come in and detail 
how that process will go forward and all the other things that people have to look forward to uh, as we make progress on this effort. State paid 1.75 for the building, I believe. What is the price tag for, I mean, taking it back to the concrete and rebuilding it, essentially? Is that going to about double the price? It, it, it's projected that the overall cost of uh, this project, uh, when you get everything down uh, to the furniture fixings, fixings and equipment, uh, will end up being somewhere over $70 million, which would be about half of the cost of new ground up construction. Okay, the, the old building... Uh, Fairfield and Jordan, there's a lot of concern about that's a historic building. Uh, we're not tearing that down. What what do you know about the plan for that? Has, has there been some interest? Absolutely. One of the things that was uh, apparent as I began to try and move this effort forward was that the folks in the Highland community uh, made a very valid point uh, that I knew had to be addressed before we could look to go forward. And that is, while they recognize that the use of the state building uh, for the original United Gas building, now the Mary Allen State building, uh, that the state building is not the highest and best use of it. It's better than having an empty building. Uh, and so rather than end up having that prospect uh, just hang out there uh, and ultimately with no real control over how the ultimate end use uh, of that old facility would end up being directed, uh, I proposed legislation last year in House Bill 773, uh, which has been passed and enacted, uh, that will transition the building from the state to the Shreveport Redevelopment Authority. Seaport Redevelopment Authority will have the capacity to be able to essentially establish an RFP, a request proposal process, that solicits uh, ideas from potential developers out there of exactly what they would look to do with it. Obviously, I think the idea is that it would make a great live, work, learn, and play space. And so it would end up replacing office workers with actual residents that would end up being an area on an ongoing basis. Uh, the Seaport Redevelopment Authority would be in a position to be able to vet those proposals to make sure that the folks who are submitting actually have the wherewithal and capacity to be able to do what it is that they intend to do, uh, and then also be able to put in callback provisions in the event that you end up selecting a developer that ultimately ends up not being able to perform. So we all always end up uh, siding uh, on the best interest of the public uh, and the people of the Northern Highlands uh, and the people of the Freeport area, as opposed to just putting it in the hands what could end up being a speculator like we have with many of our downtown buildings right now. Mm-hmm. We're talking with uh, State Rep. Cedric Glover about the move for the state building employees into downtown to the Jody Wagner Federal Building. Uh, Cedric, sounds like there's a lot of work that needs to be done to the existing federal building. What's our time frame for that to be completed, and when do you expect employees to be in their new offices? Well, I also understand it was never actually ever a federal building. Uh, this was a building that was built by a private contractor here in Shreveport and leased to the federal government for 20 years. Uh, and so at the end of that 20-year lease, the federal government decided they don't want to, no longer wanted to lease the building and decided they wanted their own courthouse uh, and to put federal employees in other places around the city. Uh, and so uh, they chose not to renew it. And the building itself has actually been empty for almost a decade longer than it was ever used. Timetable for the move, though. Uh, well, uh, we expect that you're going to end up having the demolition and abatement work that's going to take uh, a good bit of the balance of this year. Uh, and so once that's done, we'll be in a position uh, to move forward uh, with the actual uh, reconstruction of the new building. Uh, and so I would expect probably within about a three-year time frame, uh, all the work in terms of abatement um, and demolition should be completed, and we should be well on our way to having a completed building ready for state workers to move into. Cedric, Cedric Lover, State Representative, 
this is a game changer for downtown. What do you envision happening once these workers move in? There's hundreds of workers. Oh, absolutely. I think this may be the largest uh, single uh, project uh, cost-wise uh, in the history of downtown. And, and certainly, as I mentioned, when you're talking about a building that has been empty uh, for almost 30 years uh, and has been obviously a drag on the northern side of downtown, uh, and to be able to know that you're going to replace it with something that is going to be uh, obviously very visually appealing, uh, but it also will bring with it hundreds of more people uh, into that part of downtown. I think the opportunity uh, for it to end up being a great asset to downtown overall, but especially the north side of downtown, is going to be tremendous. And the meeting tonight, to tell us when, where, and, and the public's invited. Meeting tonight at 530 at Central Art Station. And yes, any and all people who are interested in this project are invited. Obviously, downtown stakeholders in particular, but any other interested party that wants to know what's going on, has a question, a concern, uh, please, we encourage them to come out and have a chance to be able to get hopefully what will be some good information for it. State Representative Cedric Glover, thank you, sir. Appreciate your time and uh, look forward to seeing you in studio next time. Thank you guys much. Looking forward to it. Take Thanks. care. Uh -huh. All right. 1017 FM, 710. One hundred one seven FM and seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty forgot to ask Cedric Glover what he's running for this fall. We got to remember to ask every politician, "What are you running for this fall? <laughs> what are you running? Yeah, you know, governor. You running for senator? I forgot. Well, Jim Donnell and there's some reports that said he suspended his campaign, mm -hmm. uh, not doing fundraising. And so there was speculation he wasn't going to run in the fall, but he said he was. Sounds like he is, yeah. He said he planned on being on the ballot. I don't know if that was yeah. wording. That's how I phrased it, so maybe... We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Got a text. Uh, sorry, you can't see these. Um, I Well, my phone... I, I, I just... I keep trying. Your phone's goofing up. It's Well, the screen has, has apparently died. Uh, uh, yeah. It'll, if I lift it... You know how when you lift it and it comes up? Comes, right. Well, it'll faintly flicker Flash. and I can see the time and then it goes away and, and, and it's not it's okay. not responsive well, this so, one's really for so you. anybody by the way my wife goes you never answer when i'm there which is not true so <laughs> anybody trying to call or text me i i His i got phone nothing is toast, i yeah. got nothing i got this text it really was meant for you but it says uh <laughs> did something happen to mike's phone marco yes. marco rubio keeps calling me trying to get mike so he can be a guest <laughs> about daylight saving time he said mike won't answer keeps rolling to voicemail he had to move on. Maybe next oh, week. Crap. I missed my interview with Marco, Marco Rubio. Rubio. <laughs> You'll have to work on that today when you get your phone fixed. Oh, uh, I, I, I've already Thomas Avalone. He, he, they own Maccentric. Yeah, you know, that's that's Lewis's brother. Absolutely, they're and, great. Uh, yeah, anything Mac they can take care. This is not a commercial for no, Maccentric, no, by no. the way. Just they, uh, they do great work, and Th they do. That's my first stop when I leave here. He's gonna. He's already text. Uh, uh, not texted me, but messaged him. Right. And said, uh, we'll take care of it. A couple so. of candidates for governor coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. We have Jeff Landry at 810. Uh, Sharon Hewitt will join us at 840. Lots to talk about, including uh, Sean Wilson in the race. We're hearing now that uh, Stephen Wagesback may be in the race. How many? I've lost count now. Uh, 7, 8, 20. The, I don't know. The, yeah. the Republican field is just becoming so crowded. Mm-hmm. 
I, I texted Waggus back this morning too. I'm not going to tell you what I texted him. <laughs> but he hasn't answered. There were me. letters involved. It started with WT. Yeah. And he hasn't answered me he yet. He hasn't so. replied. I wonder why. I don't know. At least it wasn't a, you up? Yeah, I didn't do that yet. No. <laughs> we'll try to catch up with him. He's supposed to make his announcement on Thursday. And he's a friend okay. of the show. And you may not want to talk about this on the air, and I understand. Are you leaning to do, do you like anybody on the... Uh, in know, the I'm, not, I'm not sure yet. I want to I want to see... There's a couple that I really like. I want the dust to settle, and let's see. Let's see what happens. I sure don't want to say it when we got two of them coming up who well, might be listening. <laughs> yeah. There are a few I really hate. Yeah. Ah, yeah I don't like them at all. No. I... So it's going to be a crowded field, it which is. I think helps Sean Wilson. I mean, I, well, I think if, there, if there's 18 Absolutely. Republicans, I'm hearing another high, uh, high profile Republicans thinking about it that ran before. Yeah. I'm not going to say it yet, but I'm going to text his people and see, hey, is this really true or is it baloney? And um, we'll see. I mean, it could be 20, it could be a bunch of people running on the Republican side. And some say, well, that's a good thing. Uh, choice is a good thing. But mm -hmm. not not when it splits, it splits that vote. You bet. When you'll give, you'll give so Sean Wilson 25, 30% of the vote. And then the 12 Republicans, one of them will get 25%. And those will be the two in the runoff. So... We shall see. It'll be interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, we do have uh, Jeff Landry coming up just after the local news. And then uh, Sharon Hewitt, state senator at 840 with Mike and McCarty. 1017 FM. Seven. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotlines Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry Governor candidate uh, on the Republican side a very crowded Republican side now but uh, Attorney General you have a, a significant opponent on the Democrat side now with the uh, introduction of Sean uh, uh, Sean Wilson yeah yeah look uh, <clears throat> um. You know, it's interesting because Sean and I actually were at uh, USL together at, at, at the same time. I um, Look, I look forward to having a governor's race about the issues that plague the state and, and, and the vision of, of how we solve those particular problems. I, you know, I welcome Sean into the race and, you know, look, I'm confident that, that we can prove to the vo voters that we have a vision for Louisiana uh, that puts us on a path. Uh, to being competitive again and, and, and taking our place, rightful place among, amongst the South. So, look, I mean, that, that's what it's all about. I mean, every, anyone can run. They certainly welcome. Uh, we're going to go out there and move our particular message. I think it's a message that, that, that the voters of the state are going to resonate with. Uh, I think that everywhere I go around the state, it seems to be that what I'm hearing from people is they, they just have had enough. They've had enough of the status quo. They've had enough of being last. They, they really are looking for someone to go out there and bring some fresh new ideas and, and, and willing to take some, some courageous action in, into, um, in, into changing the direction of the state. Jeff, there's a lot of people that are saying, though, with so many Republicans in the race, this is going to help 
uh, Dr. Wilson that you guys really ought to ought to have a kumbaya and decide we're going to get behind one candidate and and we're going to take the office. Otherwise, Sean Wilson gets a walk to the runoff. Well, you know, Aaron, I, th- I think that, that that people who say that it's a great um, it's a it's it, it, it's a great reason for why uh, we should close our primary systems like uh, all of the other southern states around us. Um, I think that that's a, the reason the Republican Party endorsed our candidacy early on uh, to try to further eliminate uh, the bloodshed on this side. You know, we've got a multitude of problems in the way that we elect our our governor and, and, and statewide and other uh, elected officials in, in the amount of time that we go from qualifying to running and then running again uh, is extremely short. I mean, you've heard me complain about it before. I mean, um, it's less than 30 days between the primary and, and the general or the general and the runoff, depending upon how you look at it. Uh, I mean, 30 days, I mean, I can, you know, back in high school, I mean, if I got my girlfriend mad at me, I don't think she could get happy with me in 30 days. <laughs> and so I think that's been part of, part of the problem. But look, we've gone out there. That's why we started early. Number one, because we were serious. We were serious about running for governor. We were serious about tackling the problems that we have in this state. Uh, we've spent seven years as the attorney general for this state. I don't think anyone out there doesn't know what we stand for and, and the direction that we want to take things. Uh, we look forward to working with the people of this state and talking about these issues and then, and then get down the business, hopefully after the election's over and we win. You talked about the, the closed, Louisiana used to have a closed primary system and that changed some years ago. Is there a possibility of going back to that closed system? I mean, I think it, I think it's certainly worth discuss, discussing, especially if people, you know, um, uh, comment in the same fashion that Aaron just mentioned. And, and quite frankly, she's not alone. Uh, I, I think that you know, the comment that she said that she heard people say that, I've heard it from all over the state. It didn't matter whether you were in North Louisiana, Central Louisiana, South Louisiana. I mean, people are tired of seeing this kind of bickering uh, inside the party uh, and the short fuse that it takes in order to go from, um, you know, one election to the next. Um, I, again, when you look at other states, Robert, that, and that's the thing, when you look at the things fundamentally that other states are doing, and you look at where we are, we seem to just not get it right. And, and that's part of the vision that we're trying to portray to this state is that we're willing to go out there and have an open and honest discussion about ways that Louisiana could change some things and start to be very, very competitive. You know, I've said it again and again and again, this race is not about me. This race is about you. It's about the listeners out there. This is an opportunity for you for the people that stay in Louisiana to say, okay, this is our race. These are the things that we want done. Uh, because the one thing that I think I've proven to the people of this state is if you give me a, an edict, if you give me some instructions, we'll go out there and fulfill that. Jeff, let me ask you about your your big tech lawsuit. You and the Attorney General in Missouri, you have filed a motion for a preliminary injunction against the President of the United States, uh, claiming that the, the White House and the federal government is colluding with big tech, censoring our free speech. Um, you have pretty strong evidence of that? 
we have a lot of strong evidence. And, and you know, Aaron, I think that that's proof in the in the pudding as to, you know, how about the amount of courage that we have to stand up for the people in this state in the face of whoever it is, whether it's the president of the United States, whether it was the government at the time, uh, whether it was bureaucracies. Um, this is, and I've, I've said it on this show many times, I think that this is the most important First Amendment case this century. Um, we have compiled, I mean, just reams of evidence uh, and depositions. You know, we deposed Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, right before Thanksgiving. I think we talked about it on this show um, last year. Uh, the evidence that we have been able to put together, we haven't gotten everything. That's the, that's the interesting part. Like, we could go further, but just what we have, we believe is a prima facie case um, for the injunction. We know the FBI was involved in uh, suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story. They got directly involved with Facebook before the presidential election. Right. I mean, this election, was, I mean, this, uh, this case was not only about some of the COVID um, uh, information that the government had, Big tech suppressed, but it was also about elections uh, and the things that they suppressed there. I, I mean, it, just, it goes on and on. What? And I'll tell you another one. I'm going to kind of go back. I mean, think about it. Last week it was, I think the FBI Director Ray basically came out and said, look, we believe that the, uh, the, um, the virus was actually Chinese made and was leaked out of a lab. Now, that's something that we proved. In the, you know, we believe we have proof of that in the emails, and Fauci suppressed that. If you're granted this preliminary injunction, what happens? You know, that's an interesting question, uh, Aaron. Um, you know, it's going to enjoin the government from acting in that particular way. And some people say, well, that's kind of useless. Suppose they just do it. You know, the interesting part is that this case could lead to all other lawsuits of people who had their information suppressed. Say, like, they suppressed Tucker Carlson. They mm -hmm. suppressed Robert Kennedy. Remember, I think on this show and many others around the state, I've said that this government, you know, it's not a partisan issue to them. If you don't agree with them, they'll just censor you, irrespective of who you are. They censor Robert Kennedy. But this could be, this could be the step that, that, that basically allows private citizens to take what we call Bevin's actions against the federal government. Now, that's a court-made um, uh, policy or, 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 I hate to say law, because the court can't make law, but that's a, a court's, the federal court's position is that if a government act violates your constitutional rights, and we see that mostly in Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment uh, cases, then, then you have a recourse monetarily against the federal government. And so, again, um, this could pave the way for private actors, who's, American citizens whose uh, rights were violated, First Amendment rights were violated, to be able to take action against the federal government. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Mm -hmm. Attorney General Jeff Landry, thank you, sir. We appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Thanks a bunch. Have a good morning. 101.7 FM. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty, thank you uh, 
Jeff Landry for um well I don't know any any would <laughs> there wasn't anything really groundbreaking I, the the lawsuit is interesting mm-hmm. we we got some messages on the Shreveport Security Systems message board uh, it, it doesn't matter if five Republicans run or one either way Wilson is in the runoff mm-hmm. I feel we deserve a choice of ideas from multiple Republican candidates. You bet. Absolutely. And there are those that say, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of choice is good. You bet. Uh, You know, I like hearing him talk about the closed primaries. Uh, You know, there's a debate on both sides of that. But, I mean, this the way we're headed now with this closed, I mean, open primary like it is, you're going to have Sean Wilson on one side. That's going to get 25, 30 percent of the vote. It's it's a given. Mm Mm-hmm. And sure. then you're going to have eight or ten Republicans, as we're hearing more and more names, Stephen Wagesback's name's out there today. I don't know why he didn't answer my text. But, um, <laughs> and, and you're hearing, and I've heard another prominent name today, too. I can't say it yet until right. I, you know, find out. On the Republican side. Right, exactly. And there may be other Democrats that are going to, you know, jump in. Could be. That could that could happen. And, you know, I, I would bet the Democrats have shorted up and have said, no, let's let Sean be the guy and let's get in the runoff. And then you hope that whoever's in the runoff for the Republicans stumbles. Something happens where people lose faith in them. You hope if you're a Democrat. If you're a Democrat, right. right. That's what the Democrats are hoping. They're hoping that whoever the Republican candidate is, there's a um, a mess up, a goof up. Mm -hmm. Something comes to light um, that would keep a lot of people from voting for him or her. So, you know, we'll see if that indeed happens or not. You know, it's a, you know, Sean Wilson's a likable guy. He's very, you know, people like him. Um, He seems to be, you know, on the surface kind of moderate. I don't know. I'd have to get under the well, water and see. They're all moderate during the campaign. Yes, that's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, you know, Sean talked about talking about gas taxes in 2017. I can pull audio clips of Sean Wilson talking about gas taxes over and over and mm-hmm. over again. Um, you know, if I if I wanted to, I'm not going to do that to the man because we all know that he's pitched higher gas taxes because it had been a long time since we'd done it. Um, but you know, when you're in charge of something for as long as he's been and you're looking at roads that are that suck well one of the messages earlier this week said he he's going to run on his on on his um turn mm-hmm. on, you know have he driven on our roads yeah and he said in our interview yesterday he's a bridge builder jimmy davis is it ready is it done <laughs> we've been waiting for the jimmy davis bridge for 15 Did years literal bridges yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. But, I mean, if I were him, I wouldn't say I'm a bridge builder. Not in Shreveport Bossier. <laughs> it's not a phrase to be used. Yeah, we're, we've been waiting on a bridge builder for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Don't get me started with the barn are you, are you a park builder? <laughs> Sharon Hewitt, state senator, going to join us. She's another candidate on the Republican side for governor coming up with Mike and McCarty. 1017... 1017 FM 710 Keo, Mike and McCarty, just in front of Sharon Hewitt, state senator, running for governor. There's a there's a big debate on on Facebook right now about a, a words that you just normal words that you just hate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying moist. Yeah. They hate that word. Mm-hmm. 
I don't. I don't understand. I don't. That doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. I. I it, when I think moist, I think of a big piece of chocolate cake. Oh, that's I think soft of a big juicy moist. steak. Oh, or mo- okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah, juicy. Maybe that yeah. should be another. Maybe so. I don't get it. Maybe. I don't either. Uh, Who knows? Is there a word that you just can't stand? Not really. No. There are certain phrases that bother me, like like it grows on you. Yeah. Or, or keep, or and keep if it's your, moist growing on you, or, yeah. or keep your eyes peeled. I don't like that. Oh one. yeah. Why do we want to peel our eyes? I don't want to peel my eyes. I don't like X. X. I want to X you something. Oh yeah, that's I, a yeah. That drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. Not good. Not and, good. And they do that in South Louisiana too. I, I oh. I think Jeff Landry may have said that. Did he say X? I don't know. I, I, no, I no, he didn't. Okay. No, he didn't. <laughs> State Senator Sharon Hewitt is next. We're going to talk about her campaign for governor and the uh, Sean Wilson in the race. What does it change? 101.7 FM. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. State Senator Sharon Hewitt, candidate for governor. Good morning, ma'am. How are you today? Good morning, Mike. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you for your time this morning. Sean Wilson retired from DOTD Friday. He entered the governor's race Monday. No big surprise for you, I'm sure. How does this change the race, if any? Well, I don't, I don't think it changes the race very much at all. Um, you know, it's going to be an interesting path for, for Dr. Wilson, because I'm not sure that voters in our state really think that we have great roads and bridges. And so <laughs> as someone who's spent his whole life in transportation and led the department for the last eight years, I'm not quite sure exactly how you spin that story. There was a, there was a message that said they were aghast that they, he was planning on running on his record, and you know have you driven on the roads? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to, to sort of um, you know see how he he plays that. You know, the legislature has made historic investments in infrastructure over the last few years. The job of the department, of course is to implement and execute those projects. And uh, every project in my district seems like it takes forever, you know, from the beginning of the project to the end of the project. And and we've got a huge backlog of projects. I don't know. It's going to be It's a tough story to sell. State Senator Sharon Hewitt uh, talking with Mike and McCarty. So if you were to if you were to outline a platform, Sharon, what would you say your campaign would be based on? Well, what I would ask the voters to to consider of the candidates that are running, who are the doers and who are the talkers, and evaluate all of us on our records of what we have done and what we have accomplished. Um, The issues that everyone's talking about are, you know, economy and the jobs, uh, um, education and crime. uh, And I also believe personal freedoms and less government is, is one of our top issues. And so, you know, I have been legislating on those issues uh, since I've been in the legislature. And the reason I'm running for governor is because it is difficult as one of 144 legislators to turn the ship faster and, and in a more direct uh, direction. 
And so I think as governor, I will be able to do that, outline a vision, bring my legislative and business and leadership experience to the table, and be able to really move our state in a way that gets us out of being mediocre or even worse, at the bottom of the list, and more at the top of the good list. Senator Hewitt, a lot of talk about uh, doing away with Louisiana's income tax would would make us more competitive with other states. Do you support that idea? Can we afford to do it? Yes, I do support the idea. And again, what's interesting is there are people who are talking about that like it's a brand new idea. We passed significant legislation last year to do major tax reform in the state of Louisiana that as I speak around the country, other states are talking about Louisiana and admire the path that we're on. Legislation we passed last year that voters around the state agreed with through their vote on a constitution, on constitutional amendment, lowered the tax brackets on our personal state income tax and corporate income tax. So taxpayers this year, when you pay your taxes in May of this year, your state income tax, you will pay less. You will be at a lower tax bracket than you have in the past. And the way the legislation was written is that you know, in years where we have better revenue than expected, and that is established in legislation as kind of comparing us to 2019, which was the last pre-COVID year, in years where we have exceptional revenue, we're going to actually give some of that money back to the taxpayers by continuing to lower the tax brackets with the goal of getting to zero. We are on a path to do that. And it's smart because it is... Um, measured. You know, we're not just going to throw $4 billion of of revenue out the window and hope for the best, which is what you would do if you were going from where we are today to zero in one fell swoop. So it is a smart way, a considered way of of getting us to zero state income tax. I probably have talked to you about this before, but I still struggle with it and and nobody can make sense of it for me. Uh, when John Bell Edwards took office, we had a $29 billion state budget. We're now well above $45 billion, and our population continues to decline. Can someone make sense of that to me, why our government is growing so much, but our people are leaving? I don't get it. Well, I don't, I don't get it either, Aaron, and I have challenged the governor many times in the past at public hearings where he has presented his budget. Um, you might recall several years ago, <laughs> he was arguing that he, the budget had decreased every year since he'd been governor. I was looking at a 10-year plot that showed how it had actually increased every year since he'd been governor. And we had kind of a, a, a deal back and forth in the committee hearing, ending with him telling me, I can explain it to you, but I can't understand it for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. mm. <laughs> and, no, not insulting we, at all. Yeah. And basically, you know, a week later, I think it was pretty clear to everyone that, that the points I was making were right. Yes, we we do continue to grow government. Um, part of that is inflation, to be fair. But a lot of it is just lots and lots of inefficiencies in how we run government. And businesses can't afford to run that way. Businesses have to tighten their belts. And I've done that in my professional career. When oil was $12 a barrel... You better believe we learned how to tighten our belt and to be very focused on the things that actually delivered 
revenue and a better product for our customers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we need in state government is someone that's done that before and knows how to do it. Well, from, from, from your mouth to God's ears. State Senator Sharon Hewitt, let us know when you're in town next time. Well, thank you. I will, Mike. I appreciate y'all. Thanks. Thank you. 101.7 FM. Those always scare me. No, you'll, you'll love this one. 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Breaking news. You ready? Okay. Big surprise for you. Okay. You ready? All right. I have no idea what's coming. I know. Governor John Bell Edwards has endorsed Sean Wilson. Bulletin. What? Bulletin. What? <laughs> oh, my gosh. He's proud to have of left the, field. Proud to have the endorsement of Governor John Bell Edwards and First Lady Donna Edwards, too. So he's got the endorsement already. It's all the quotes are out there. It's good to go. Now we're going to tell about how I'm an idiot. I know. Well, it's interesting that, you know, <sighs> the Democrat side seemed to be able to go, okay, here's our candidate. Here's who we're supporting. Yeah. And, and you know, Republicans can't do that. No, nope. the Republican Party has endorsed now, the, Landry. Yeah, but, but that, that was, was early months on. ago. Yeah. Way too early, many said. Wait, but, yeah, yeah, I think so, too. Oh, I think boy. it was way too early. And I think that... Now, not that he would ever admit it, nor do I know this, mm-hmm. but I think that was one reason John Kennedy was like, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna run. I don't want to play with y'all. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Y'all are y'all are playing dirty, and I'm not playing. So we're still waiting on Garrett Graves, uh, Stephen Waggis back. There, there's rumblings that he's uh, he's gonna run, possibly announcing on Thursday. He hasn't answered my uh, message yet. I'm waiting on that. We'll see. <laughs> um, Three-letter text you sent him. Yeah, starts with WT, and he hadn't answered me yet, so I'm still waiting. And there's another high-profile name, statewide name. Yeah, I can't say it yet. That's been bandied about, but we can't get confirmation on. And I think it may be for another office and not governor. I'm thinking it may be for something else, perhaps, you know, state treasurer, because John Schroeder's running. So I don't know. We will see about whether or not that's happening. But I had a really bad senior moment yesterday. (laughs) And I do know what's coming here, and, and, this is, and, and I'm only laughing because I'm I'm in the same boat with you. It's just so sad. I got I'm I'm at the gym, and I get on a machine you're probably not familiar with. It's called a new step. It's kind of like a recumbent bike sort of thing. You kind of push your feet back, mm-hmm. you know, back sure. and forth, yeah. and it's got arms you can ha- hold on to, but I can't do the arms right now. And so I put it on setting one because I'm like I just want to work my knee, loosen my knee up a little bit. And it was really hard to pedal, you know, and I get on it all the time and it's really easy. Level one's really easy and I just go my 20 minutes or whatever. So this isn't the first time you've used Oh, I use machine. it all the time. I use it all the time and it's very easy. Level one's really easy. It just kind of wakes my knee up and then I'll push the level up a little bit and I'm struggling to push. I'm like, oh man, this is, this is rough. So I send this tech, not, not, I'm so impulsive. It makes me sick. <laughs> I sent a text to one of the big bosses. Right, at the Y. At the Y. I got on the new step again today. I could barely move it on level one. I think something might be wrong with it. And then I looked down, and there's a little hand that says push to unlock. It was lock. (laughs) So I sent a picture of the unlock, and I said, never mind, I had the lock on. It's like if you drive your car with the brake on, 
you know, it's going to struggle. Uh, yeah. That's what I was doing. <laughs> so I told her, I'm so sorry. I had a senior moment. <laughs> I'm having more of those. Text. She's oh, I'm sure she this did. This is what I have to deal with on a daily basis. Exactly. <laughs> These crazy nutcase senior moments. And, oh, man, I'm so embarrassed. Why can't I have, why can't I hold the impulsiveness for just a moment, look around, figure out my problem? No, I have to text immediately. Coming up tomorrow morning, uh, we're going to talk with uh, Dr. John Fleming. Uh, he's entered, he's thrown his hat in the ring for state treasurer. Mm-hmm. And uh, also Clarence Reese Jr., our friend, uh, Shreveport Fire Chief. Yep. And uh, we haven't spoken with him in a while. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow with Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM.